This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hey guys, so hopefully you know by now how much I'm obsessed with my Blue Block glasses and really just Blue Block's a company all in itself. I think you guys see on my social media and, you know, everywhere I go, even in real life pictures, like I'm always wearing them. They have changed the game for me when it comes to like my sleep, my health, my everything. And if you guys don't know the benefits of what Blue Blocks does, it's, you know, providing optimal sleep recovery and balancing your hormones. It allows you to maintain your normal melatonin levels and while blocking out the blue rays. It's just honestly, it's so crucial for all of our health, especially with all of us home right now, you know, being home, living on the computer, living on the screen more, on our phones, all those things. Blue Blocks just helps you so much to not only like, stay sane and not get those headaches like I used to get that I haven't had now in over six months in using my blue box every day, but also in maintaining our levels and just keeping our bodies healthy. Cause that's like the best thing you can do right now is just keep your health, you know, health as well. And I really like can't stress enough what a game changer this has been. I sleep better guys, period. Like even with the new baby and my toddler, I am sleeping. My eyes are ready for sleep when I lay down every night. Like I said, my headaches are gone. The eye strain is gone. My husband uses them now. My father-in-law uses them. Like I have gotten everyone in my life hooked on Blue Block. So I just wanted to remind you guys that you can still use my code AllieLevine15. It'll be here in the show notes. And if you're listening to this episode live on Monday, Cyber Monday, then you can go on and use their 25% off cyber sale for all of their products. And you guys, you're going to want to check out their bulbs, the masks that I sleep with. Like they have so many amazing new products. So check out Blue Blocks, go to Blue Blocks and see what they've got for you. I'm telling you great holiday gifts, just amazing. I can't say enough good things. Go to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and check it out. And again, if you're going today live on Cyber Monday, you get 25% off. And if not, use my discount code AllieLevine15. That's caps AllieLevine15. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Let me tell you a little bit about Kyle. Kyle Mercer has been studying the human condition his whole life. He has been interested in his own awakening and the awakening of others. In the last 22 years, he has been leading retreats, coaching, and mentoring thousands of people to lead lives that are expressions of their own gifts and personalities. In his book, Life at Altitude, he provides a roadmap to this awakening of true self and the practical and down-to-earth application of this understanding that is ordinary and essentially human. In his co-authored book, Stop Parenting, he guides a mother through the process of letting go and growing through the process of raising a child. In this book, we begin to get a window into how we are parented affects how we see ourselves and life. He is the creator of the Practice Inquiry Method. He offers people a profoundly simple model for relating, leading, mentoring, healing, and self-discovery. With this tool in hand, he helps people to come back to themselves and to experience a life that is custom fit to them, to feel comfortable in their own body, and to create relationships, families, and businesses that express and support the lives they want to live. Kyle comes to his understanding from a life of study, time in nature, travel, self-inquiry, leading retreats, coaching, mentoring, and ultimately through the discoveries he makes in the practice of inquiry method. Hi, loves. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host with Allie Levine, and I'm so excited for today's guest. I have Kyle Mercer with me. We are just going to get right into it. I cannot wait to talk all about all things parenting and what's going on with our current climate with everything being a mom and a parent right now, and Kyle's incredible books and everything that he is doing. Kyle, welcome to my show. It's great to be here, Allie. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Before we kind of like dive into all things, I have so many questions for you and just so much I want to discuss. I want you just to tell us a little bit about how you 
got here and why, you know, you are in this, you know, coaching space and the books that you've written, like what, what brought you to here? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've been coaching and teaching for over 20 years and, you know, it's just part of who I was. I studied to be a teacher and, and I, you know, taught kids for a while, but uh, this was really my most interesting uh, direction of exploration. And I've just, ever since I was, as a young child, I was just interested in developing myself and, and understanding, you know, why we're here and what we're doing here and what it means to be human. So, you know, I've been interested in that topic for a long time. And, you know, it runs in my genes and my family. My father was one of the original gangster coaches and teachers and innovators in, in coaching. And he and I were in business together for many years. And, and uh, so, you know, just along the way, I learned from him and I've learned from so many different sources. And, and but the most important source I've learned from is my own experience. And uh, that that's the only part of, you know, all I've studied that I really believe in or trust is, you know, the experience that I've had myself and, and the experience I've had being able to transfer it to other people. Yeah, for, I mean, for, for sure. And like, you know, I think that obviously for most of us, especially parents, um, we know that we kind of just, it's like a little bit of baptism by fire. You kind of learn as you're in it, even though, of course, things can be shared with you and everything can be put in front of you and you can read books. It's like, like you just said, own experience is really, truly the forefront. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that, I, what I've found, and this is why the book I'm working on currently, I call Inquiry Method, is there's a certain way of approaching your life experience that allows you to learn more deeply and find your own truth more deeply. And so many of us have taught, been taught and engaged in a, I would say an intellectual, or I call it majority consciousness, a way of approaching it. It was should, ought to, this is what somebody else says. I, I like to use those as invitations to explore rather than the way that it should be. So in inquiry method, it's uh, the capacity to be coachable, but also in, what I find is the fundamental of being coachable is being able to find and experience the truth within myself rather than in the idea of a thing. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And when you say coachable, can you go into that a little bit more? Sure. Yeah. In, in my inquiry method training, I, I teach people not only to coach, but also to be coachable. They are two sides of the same coin. In, in my world. So when I'm coaching somebody, I don't know anything about them. I don't know what it's like to be them. And so the primary tool for me as a coach, not as a teacher or a mentor, but as a coach, is really to understand fundamentally what it's like to be them. When I treat, teach somebody to be coachable, it's just the other side of the coin is when they come is they are willing to come without knowing about themselves either. And to, to bypass the egoic identity things that they've created about themselves, I'm like this, I'm like that. I'm not interested in talking to someone's beliefs, but there's a layer below the beliefs where we can actually experience ourselves, fresh and new and, and uh, you know, to have discoveries there. So I'm very coachable you know, just about anybody can coach me just by being curious because I don't come from what I've already made up, the story I've made up about myself. But if somebody asks me a question, I'll go inside and find what's true about that for me, about my own experience, about what it feels like to be me inside or what it is I truly want or, you know, what moves me or what's impacted me. And the problem with ego and identity is we you know, to feel safe, to feel like we know who we are, and to feel like we have an identity in the world, we have to construct an artificial picture of who we are. But that also becomes a constraint, a limitation, a and there's a sense of not really being me, because I'm living through an image or identity or 
egoic kind of structure about who I am. And it's not that we can be without those things, but just like our body, we can develop our body just the same as our ego is we can take it less personally and see it more as a tool than who we are. Mm, yes, that's, that's so well said. And it sounds so simple, but yet I'm sure like when it comes to the coaching and everything that you're doing, it sounds more simple than it actually is. It's actually simpler than it sounds. <laughs> it's the simplest, stupidest thing. I, you know, when I, I have to deprogram coaches from being smart. And so I say, your stupidest question is the best one. It's, but we don't, most coaches don't want to do that. And teachers don't want to show how ignorant they are about the other person. They want to show their knowledge about the other person because their ego of being an authority. So, you know, in coaching, I have to grow through the idea that I'm the authority on somebody else and be so stupid about them that I asked all the questions that I have no idea about. And that's, that's the challenging part, but it's the ultimate simplicity is just simply not knowing. Right, so true with a lot of things, right? <laughs> With everything. This is why children learn so fast. Yeah. You know, when I when I approach something, when I practice this, I I'm an incredibly fast learner because I'm not trying to demonstrate my knowledge, but I'm willing to show all my ignorance and and inability to do it and all those things. And it just so accelerates learning when we can recapture that that innocence. Innocence is the um, greatest tool for learning. Can I say something else about innocence? I, it was just a personal discovery that I made. Yeah, few, absolutely. I made a few months ago. I, somebody was coaching me, and and they they said innocence, and particularly as a man, I think, but you know, for all of us, is innocence sounds weak and small. But if we think about innocence, like to be declared innocent in a trial means I didn't do anything wrong, right? And Innocent means living, living innocent means living as if I've done nothing wrong, which isn't weak, it's free. And I, so I just have a special place in my heart for that word innocence ever since. It's just like, oh, I see innocence is the tool for learning. It's the tool for walking down the street without feeling like I have something to hide. It's, it's engaging in a conversation without self, I call it self-consciousness. When I'm self-conscious, we know that that's kind of awkward, right? And so, you know, at least my experience, I think a lot of experience of people is when they're not self-conscious, when they're innocent, is that we're at our best, most engaged, most fun, most playful, learn the best, most free with sharing our truth and all those things. So it's kind of like into innocence and the loss of self-consciousness. Mm, I love that because I think that you know, in my opinion, we're in a place now in our world where so many people kind of are waking up to their own consciences and we're no longer like asleep to just kind of this, I just do whatever kind of I'm told and, and that's truth. It's like, we're actually waking up to our own truths. Um, myself, especially as a new mom, I've realized, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, how much I kind of just listen to and how much noise is around me versus actually tapping in to me. So I love that you said that about consciousness. I love that. I really appreciate that about you. It's like that willingness to parent from my inner knowing, from my innocence. It's, you know, there's so many ideas that people have about being a parent. And, you know, the number one source for your child is you. Right. Well, and so, you know, let's talk about that because I think a lot of times, right, like society wants to tell us what you know, we should do or shouldn't do, or, you know, we're afraid, obviously, as new parents, <laughs> we're afraid, apparently Arlie agrees with us. Um, we're afraid as, you know, new parents to, you know, step outside of, you know, society. I mean, I know I've been shamed left and right different ways, and, you know, I won't fully go into that right now, because it's a whole other podcast, but, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to tap into that consciousness and say, you know, okay. It's hard to tap into that consciousness and say like, okay, you know, how do I know it's my, you know, inner knowing? How do I know it is that higher consciousness and not just me potentially making a mistake 
that I'm afraid to make. And I know, you know, of course, you, we're all going to make mistakes. But I guess my question would be with you, since you are so tapped into that, you know, awareness of our self-conscious and our inner knowing, what would be advice and what would you share with parents listening, especially new parents, how they really like allow themselves to tap into that? Well, I mean, the you already named the biggest obstacle is the idea that we can make a mistake or putting so much importance on parenting. And it's just like, it's rampant, is that this parenting job is like the most important job in the world that, that you know, it's so crucial that everything be right. And that's, you know, we were gonna talk about that, but making a child so important is the, the beginning seed of a narcissistic child. And it, it's like, children aren't that important. They're just little pupa and, you know, you feed them and they're already on their own course and their own path and their life is set out. And we make their experience more important than our experience. You know, I sound crazy, but instead of making it good for the child, why don't you make it good for you? <laughs> like, and it's not necessarily easy, but say, what kind of parenting works for me? What feeds me? You know, what makes it enjoyable for me? What's, what's my truth? And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, I work with, I've worked with thousands of people on their childhoods. And generally the healthiest human beings are the ones that are like the fifth kid or the sixth kid or the seventh kid because the parents quit trying so hard. <laughs> Each one gets a little better because there's less importance put on it. And it's just another activity like washing the dishes or doing all this stuff and all this importance put on it just creates all this tension. The parenting tension is transferred to the child and the child has tension. And there's even different, you know, childhood strategies try, that try to deal with this tension and importance. So generally the first child out, the best strategy for them to take is the good boy or the good girl. And it's just amplified when there's just a lot of pressure on the child. And even, you know, when I work with people and I get down, like, you know, my client, adult clients, when I, when I work with them to get down to the reason that their parents wanted to have the child becomes their whole reason for, for being here on the planet. So if a child is here, you know, because the mother needed company, then they feel like they have to give themselves away to everybody else to make them happy. Or if a child is here because they're an accident, you know, and a burden, then they live their life believing that their whole being in life is here as a burden and an accident. It's kind of amazing when we get down to that fundamental, I call it the pee under the mattress of, of somebody. And the very best thing for a child is just to lighten up around the whole situation. Yeah, so true. Because we love to make it way more complicated than it is. And I know myself, like I had to really sometimes, as much as I love books, as much as I love different, you know, tips and blogs and things, I try to kind of just take little pieces of everything and then really tap into me and say, okay, like what actually works for me? That's why like, even with my social media, like I tell moms all the time, like I share things because I feel it's important to have community and for us to not feel alone. And especially brands and products that things make your life easier. Why wouldn't I share them? But don't feel like you have to use them or they're going to hundred percent work for you. It's whatever works for your child. And obviously every child is also different. Absolutely. I mean, the best thing you can do is enjoy it and have fun with parenting. So like for me, like exercise, like exercise is a duty isn't very much fun for me and I don't do that. But when I want to exercise, I said, what would be fun for me to do? Oh, I could go play some tennis. That would be fun. And then I'm excited to do it. And then how I show up in it is fun and excited. How I learn about it is fun, excited and interested. So, you know, it's the same thing in being a parent, you know, if, if, what would make it fun for me? You know, what makes it enjoyable for me? And that just takes a huge burden off the child, you know, to try to behave or to be different than they are or whatever. And then each child presents generally a new, you could say challenge or opportunity, find another place in yourself about, you know, how you can make it work for yourself. But most parents are running around trying to make it work for the kids rather than themselves. 
Great. Yeah. And, and parents also, I think, you know, myself included, you know, totally guilty, like where I sometimes can feel like totally like I'm spinning out of control and then I try to control everything and then everything's a mess and everything's chaotic. Yes. Yeah. So the question is, you know, how would I have to set it up so that I, you know, I enjoy it or that it works for me and, you know, how, how do I make sure I get what I need and how do I create the connection with my child? I've got a friend here. I live in Ashland, Oregon. I got a friend here and she's got a new child and, you know, she's so excited about, she just loves new toys and things to <laughs> do. And so she's reading books about how to understand your child's noises and what they mean. And, but isn't, she's not doing it to develop her child and she's doing it because she's interested in it. Right. That's right. Yes. And, and I, I, you know, as much as I can, obviously as a, you know, working mom and stay at home mom and mompreneur and all the things I try to do the same. I try to really tap into what my girls need and, and every day and be as much aware as I can be. And, even when I, you know, get crazy with work and things going on, as soon as I'm done with that craziness, I try to tap right back into that inner knowing and really into them to know how to handle them and like what is best for them in that moment. Yeah. Would you like a reflection? Please. So do you notice you're saying what's best for them in the moment? Okay. So, you know, what would be fun for me to do with them in this moment? Mm. So that, I mean, that's just, I mean, I'm not blaming you, but it's, it's all been programmed in, especially to motherhood is, is I'm doing all this stuff and then I try to figure out what they need and da, 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 da. I, you know, what is it that you're really wanting out of your interaction with your child? What, what do you want rather than what do they want? No, I, I really appreciate you called that out because, you know, we're all human, right? And like you said, it's programmed into us as mothers and as parents. And it's so funny because obviously as much as I feel I am a very mindful, you know, mother and I'm very much of mindful parenting and really tapping into my inner knowing, like, as you just heard me say, like, that's just something that is in all of us. And, and it's, it's very interesting when you just said that to me. So how do you check yourself when, you know? Well, you <laughs> listen to this question. So what do you want? Not what your children want, but what do you want out of your interaction with your children? For me personally. For you personally, yes. <laughs> Sacrilege, I'm going to be burned at the stake by all mothers tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I, I think this is awesome because you're speaking truth and you're, you're speaking about, you know, what a lot of people just don't want to talk about because it's, you know, most of us just want to think, you know, what we were programmed to think is true and what we were told is true. Again, I really do believe 2020 is serving that purpose of like bursting so many bubbles and breaking so many systems and programs down to say, mm, it might not really be so true. Um, and so, you know, again, like for me, it's just wanting to enjoy my girls and obviously help them learn along the way and you know be there i'm just going to be a little strict for help them learn along the way they're programmed to learn but i love this is wanting to enjoy my time with my children guess what we all want to enjoy time together so that becomes because you want to enjoy your time then the question is how would you set it up so that you could really enjoy your time with your children how would you have to set up your life? How would you have to set up your work? How would you have to set up any of the things with your children? That becomes the seed intention and everything else comes out of that. And I love that you say this, it's about your enjoyment, not about, they may enjoy it, they're actually going to learn from you that their enjoyment is important when you make your enjoyment important. So that becomes the answer to every single parenting question. What would I have to do here so that I can enjoy my time with my children? Right. Right. So, so true. Yeah. I mean, every day obviously for me is different. You know, some days I start the mornings and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look at my emails and I'm just going to be with the girls and 
be super present and just, you know, have breakfast with them and hang out with them and just be present. And then other days it's like, I have to answer emails right away. I have stuff going on. I'm doing a podcast interview, you know, and then it's like, okay, I give Amelia a game to play with and give her breakfast so I can do my podcast. And I have Arlie on my lap, you know, because she's much in mama mode right now. And, you know, and so it's, I feel like every day is a, um, a juggle as far as figuring out how to shape my life, shape my life that way. Arlie is so talkative in our conversation. I know she went, she's like, yeah, listen to him, mama. (laughs) (laughs) She is. I'm like, wow, she's so talkative right now. (laughs) Children are perfect sensors because they haven't shut down yet of the energy in the environment. So our children, you know, when, when they're boisterous and, you know, they're reflecting in some way the energy of the environment that they're feeling. Right. The best way to change it is to change the energy of the environment rather than try to change the children. Yes. So, so well said. I can't get over how much she's talking. This is like cracking me up. Um, (laughs) I mean, she's... she's, I need to get my friend in here so we can understand what she's saying. (laughs) Right? She's like laughing and cooing. I mean, she's gotten more and more talkative, but it's like, this is really funny. Like she's actually like tracking and looking and babbling. And I'm like, oh, are you paying attention? And so to that, that's a perfect transition, you know, in your whole thing of like drilling down into parenting, you know, you talk about how can we relate better to our children and understanding truly, you know, what our children need and then how to avoid teaching our children to be narcissists. Let's talk more about that. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, you're already on track with presence. And it's the same quality as inquiry method. If you just, if something's going on and you, instead of operating out of all our brain, mind, ego, about what we've been told about it, if we would get quiet and present and just kind of let our pond get still, I call it connecting with source, and then just start to notice what comes up, not from mind, but from our inner self about what's needed or about what's happening and just dropping into presence and source will shift the energy immediately and in that place we can pay better attention to the voice that the the buddhists call it the still small voice within you know there's a quieter voice that's quieter than mind or emotion that has has so much knowledge and capacity and so that presence and attention, like when when we've got all this stuff to do and we've got all this momentum through life, it's actually really the pause is one of the most valuable things that we can possibly do. Right. And into that space, something comes. Viktor Frankl in his book said, you know, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space, there's a choice. And that's an inquiry method. That's the space we expand so that we're not just in action and reaction, but we actually are feeling into what's wanted, what's needed, what's true, what's going to create more enjoyment. And, you know, we should have a lot of pauses like that in our life. So true, right? And like 2020 has really created and forced so much of those pauses. (laughs) One big global pause. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And it's like, you know, as obviously as intense as this has all been in 2020, you know, I really, I've said this over and over again to different people that have asked me my feelings on this time. And it's like, as much as it's been so intense and it's been very challenging, I really am truly grateful for all the time I've had with my husband, with my girls, with getting to really tap into us and truly have it to help um, you know, me be able to tap into my own growth and involvement and just see things differently. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's the global wake up call for sure. We'll see. We have to see how much we can wake up. Yeah. Talk about that. You know, we just, i see I'm pausing. Let me just feel it for a second. Um, I want to talk about that. Can, can we, I, there was, we left a thread on, tied around narcissism and I I think they tie in together. Sure. But narcissism is the idea that I'm the most important thing. 
and there's a truth in it and then there's an amplification of it when when we amplify it it is you know you could call it positive or negative not not assigning value to it but positive narcissism is when i go i'm the best i've got all the right answers i i'm you know i'm super important i'm better than everybody else negative narcissism is i'm a victim i'm weak all this bad stuff happens to me it's unfair it's the same thing it's this egocentric um identification with self and in that polarization in fact you know somebody that's a, a big egoist or narcissist underneath that is is essentially insecure and it's the same thing with somebody that you you know, negative nar narcissism, it's that uh, underneath that I'm the worst, I have no value, is actually the idea that I have incredible value. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's recognizing me. Nobody's seeing how wonderful I am. They're just two sides of the same coin. And so in balance in the middle is when I recognize, you know, the importance of my life and to me, <laughs> not necessarily to everybody else, but to me, and that living a good life is important for me. And then I recognize that, you know, there's all these other people out there that have needs. So it's kind of like right in the middle, there's kind of a zero place where I'm present with myself and my needs and then also the people around me and the world. And in my book, I talk about levels of consciousness is there's a level of consciousness when I let go of kind of that narcissistic phase, when I step in and see that my my experience of life is not separate from the complete experience of life. So that when I'm equally as important as also the rest of the things going on around me, I can see that having a, a healthy environment is important to me, that, that having happy people in the world, to having you know, people that are getting their needs met in the world is important to me, as well as getting my needs met. And I call that leap across the I-we barrier. Basically, as we grow, we get less and less um, identified with all that exists as I. And just like in many forms of consciousness, whether it's, you know, God consciousness or Gaia consciousness or whatever, is that as we grow, we're more, we feel less and less separate from everything around us. And that something done outside of us is equally as important as something that's done inside of us. And then, you know, there's a huge benefit for being in a world and environment around people that, you know, have a similar view, but it, it can be challenging. Like I, I realized the other day, <laughs> I was laughing at myself because sometimes I feel like a stranger in a strange land. And I realized that gener generosity was my basic operating system in relating to people. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, and then I realized that a lot of people weren't operating under that same operating system. I was like, oh, that makes sense. You know? And uh, there's a difference between generosity and giving myself away. I just, you know, I see kind of the free flow of things between me and others is just amplifying connection and relationship as opposed to giving to get. But uh, it's fun to be around other people that are just inherently generous. Right. Yeah. Well, and can you speak to like a little bit more of the consciousness? Because I think that there's, of course, some who are listening who are very aware and then there are some who are not. Um, and I, you know, I know it could be a whole nother episode, but could you just kind of give a quick brief overview to you, um, you know, what that means and how that also ties into everything we're talking about? Sure. You know, I call it the yoga of consciousness. Like in in physical yoga or spiritual yoga is that we have the ability to identify, like we're only paying attention to 1% of everything that's going on. Like 99% is being filtered out all the time because we couldn't take all that input into our senses. So consciousness is just the witnessing self. The witnessing self is the one that sees our experience and what's going on as just a movie playing itself out. And the one thing that we can do with our consciousness is we have a choice 
of what to look at. Just like if you're watching a movie, you can choose to put your attention on the background, the story, the sounds. You can put your attention on the movie theater. And within our own self, we have a choice of, of what to put attention on. I'll just, let's do a little exercise and we'll just, I'll give you an example. Like probably right now, you're not aware of your left big toe. But why don't we all put our attention on our left big toe? Hey, yeah. So my left big toe, I can feel a little tingling of aliveness. I can become aware of it. And the more attention I put on that, the less I'm putting attention on you or the fact that there's a computer in front of me or my thoughts or my emotions. I'm just with big toe. I can also, right now, I could put my attention on, on my emotional body. Oh, I see. Hmm, I feel pretty smooth and you know, I feel happiness and in enjoyment from doing the thing I like to do most, right? And, you know, kind of a connection feeling with you. And then I could put my attention on my mind and my thoughts. Oh, I wonder if she likes what I'm saying. I wonder what people are thinking when they hear me talking. Oh, I thought, you know, I should go rape the lawn, right? <laughs> That's putting my attention on my mind. Or I could draw back. And either with my eyes open or my eyes closed, I say, oh, there's my fish tank. Look, there's the sweet little fish swimming around. I can put my attention on that. Or I can put my attention on, you know, my right big toe. So the yoga of consciousness means that we actually have a big choice of what to put our attention on. When I'm coaching somebody, especially when they're starting, I have them put attention on their emotional body. Level one of consciousness it has to do with emotions need, the feeling of need, the feeling of anger and sadness and, you know, kind of like this, somebody at level, all of us, when we're at level one consciousness, and it happens to all of us from time to time to time, and the more we do our work, the less we're at level one consciousness. But I'll tell you, if you started insulting me and telling me what a jerk and how dare I talk like this on your podcast, I might get triggered I, probably not at the moment, but it, you know, I might get triggered into feeling of rejection or anger or something like that. And I would actually feel like I became the anger. And we've all had this experience, particularly in relationship or raising parents when we're just a, raising children, when we're just, a, we can't see anything but our anger. And to get to level two consciousness, we actually have to separate our consciousness from that and instead of I am angry is recognize and just say I'm feeling angry oh and then we can use inquiry on it and say oh what's behind that anger and we can unravel it and find some kind of solution so level one consciousness is needs being triggered I'm not really I don't really have any anything I'm, I'm nothing beyond what I'm feeling when I go into level two consciousness at any moment, that has to do with what I call majority consciousness, ideas, beliefs, concepts. It has to do in relationship with I'll do for you if you do for me, like fairness and unfairness. It has to do with social contracts and ideas. And a lot of us have hundreds of unconscious relationship contracts. Like after all I did for you, the least you could do is this or well, if they do that for me, I have to do this, but they're not overt. So one of the ways to clean up level two consciousness is just to have clear overt contracts with everyone rather than covert ones. And then this is also the area where we deal with identity, ego, beliefs, concepts. So a lot of times we get stuck in level two consciousness when I have a belief or a judgment on myself or others like, oh, I'm not going to relate to that person. I could never like somebody that did that or they're lazy or I'm lazy or you should be more productive or don't be lazy or be a good parent or, you know, anytime I'm locked into this kind of majority consciousness, all I'm consciousness of is the rules, beliefs, concepts, and identities about who I am. Right. Yeah. But when I get out of level two consciousness, I do that by clearing clear contracts, letting go of my judgments and beliefs about myself and others, I get into what I call contribution. 
and somebody that's in contribution, they're like, this is my idea. I want to do this. It has to do with desire, the expression of desire, the, the actualization of self, self-expression, my idea. And a lot of businesses are led by people like this. And, you know, it tends to be a little more masculine, like men in our culture have been allowed to do what they want. Women in our culture tend to be more constrained by what they should do and ought to do and what's fair. So women to get out of level two consciousness, and some men certainly, have to find out what they want. Kind of like what I'm talking with you about parenting is what would make it enjoyable for me rather than what do I do to raise a perfect child in the world. So that, that your own desire brings you into that next level of consciousness. So, and this is just brief, but so, the, and we honor that, but it's basically narcissist. It's all about me, right? So at a certain point at level three consciousness, I see that wanting is infinite, that I could want and want and want forever. And it's never going to be satisfied. It's just going to stay in a constant feeling field of wanting more. And when I really get that, I let go of a lot of this kind of process of more, 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 which is rampant in our culture. And I start to get more and more present with what's here and how to contribute and participate with what's here. You know, that I'm not so separate from everything that's going on. And that's where we cross this I-we barrier into level four consciousness, which I call collaboration. And in that place, instead of what I want, I'm going for the want for us. And all great social movements come from this is, I have a dream that everybody would treat each other beautifully. <laughs> you know, I, I have the idea that we could uh, be an independent nation. I have this idea of freedom, liberty, <laughs> you know, uh, for all. And, and those ideas, when we connect with an idea that's larger than ourselves that we get to participate in, that's what really truly motivates and inspires us. Rather than should, it's coming from a place of that would be amazing. Let's all do that together. And then level five consciousness is another transcendence where I really don't feel separate from anything. And there's just like this deep peacefulness and wisdom that comes from. And that just my presence inspires people. That just when I'm sitting in a room with people, how I'm being, how I'm showing up, I become a leader for for the larger idea, like Jesus or Martin Luther King or Buddha, or these people that became the embodiment of an idea that's larger than any one person. And those are the true leaders, the ones that are actually living and being the ideal rather than um, just telling people what to do. Right, so I mean, yeah, so well, so, so true and so beautifully said. And, you know, thank you for diving into that about, you know, the different consciousness, because I think a lot of people don't necessarily know or again uh, have been programmed to, t to be told what that looks like versus what it might actually be and, and all the different levels of that for ourselves and wow that was just such a great um, deep dive of all that I really uh, appreciate it and you know you're so articulate you know on like so many you know topics like this and especially you know on your own inquiry you know method that you you know mentioned before of the process of communication and healing and, you know, how we work through those high levels of, you know, our own experience to create that happiness and purpose and meaning in our own lives, and especially as parents, you know, with our children. Before I let you go, I just want you to talk a little bit about, you know, your, um, your, your book that you're working on, as well as the one that um, you sent me, The Life at Altitude, um, and Stop Parenting, because I think that those are really important to talk about and, you know, why you helped create Stop Parenting. Yeah, my first book was Stop Parenting, and that was such a fun story because I have this wonderful client who's also a writer, and uh, and uh, and so she actually had me coach her on parenting. She had a really challenging situation with her child, uh, physically and just kind of emotionally, and all those kind of things. And so I coached her for a year, and she recorded all the all the calls, and then she combined her own experience, kind of narrative experience, which is beautifully narrated, and then combined it with some of our dialogues and kind of how that impacted her. And so that's just kind of um, some of the feel of, of inquiry parenting and, um, and, you know, an opportunity to 
disrupt some of the rules and beliefs and ideas that we have about parenting. Uh, life at altitude really explains and lays out, you know, the, the concept of levels of consciousness and how it impacts us. And I wrote that a, a few years ago and, you know, it, it's coming out now. And hopefully the audio book will be out soon. I recorded it, but we're having trouble getting it on, on the audio book part on Amazon. But Life at Altitude is on Amazon. And that's just kind of, that felt really cathartic to me because I just felt like I was holding all this information there. There was something about getting it out that allowed me to put my mind, you know, feel like, oh, I did that one. So, and now I'm working on the inquiry method book and life at altitude is the philosophy or uh, you could call it a map of consciousness or a way of understanding the world and my place in it. Whereas inquiry method is the life practice. So life practice like meditation. And I find that inquiry method, when I train people in it, it's coaching and being coachable, but it's also this innocent approach to life and innocent approach to self. And there's something that happens when I do, you know, you could call it meditation within connection, that when I'm in connection, I, you know, I'd love to hook somebody up to an EKG who's, who's doing inquiry method sometimes, or is that an EEG? I forget which one. <laughs> but, but I I'm not sure. <laughs> what I suspect is that it's like 10x on meditation. It's easier to drop in and there's more insight and there's this feeling of getting cleared of my ego and identity. And it's, it's really the practice for that, the practice for being at level four consciousness or level five consciousness without being identified with my ego, identity, beliefs, wants, desires, all those things. So it's like practicing the we space and allows us to really, I don't know, myelinate our brain in those ways to see the world truly differently. So it's, it's a practice like meditation, which is the, you know, for me has been the way that I can get in to like experiencing the world in pure consciousness rather than from my ego or my identity or wants or desires, agended wants and desires. And so it, most importantly, even beyond being coachable or coaching, it is the practice of experiencing a higher level of consciousness like meditation that's done in connection with another person. And it's just, it, it's, it's such a beautiful practice. Like I, I do these calls, membership calls twice a week where people that want to join or, or participate in community around it, and it's just like every time they say, you know, even if I didn't talk, I came in feeling so heavy and I just leave feeling so light and I can't even explain it. But it's part of stepping out of that kind of narcissistic self-identified consciousness and remembering who we really are, which is identified with this, this larger place of consciousness. And that's what our world needs. I mean, that's that's the crisis that we are going through. Are we going to be, a you know, the basic question are, am I going to be identified with my own, you know, narcissistic consciousness, not even as blame, but, but me, 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 more, 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 or am I going to be identified with creating something larger that benefits all humans, including me, where I actually get to experience more and better than I ever experienced before. Because ultimately, ultimately, against everybody's understanding, we all want the same thing. We all want to enjoy ourselves. We all want loving connection. We all want to be in a beautiful environment. We all want to be provided for what we need. We all want the same thing, but it's just all this fear and all this, I call it drive, need for more, 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 is just wrecking the planet, wrecking our relationships, wrecking our country, wrecking, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's not one side or the other. It's this place in the middle where I recognize my needs and wants and the collective needs and wants. And there's, there's a place in the middle that's not even right in between, but it's like a triangle. It's a point that's above in between that we could all experience more of what we want, all of us. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much, so, so, so much yes to that. And I completely 
agree with you and feel that and really truly believe that is coming with all this waking up in our consciousness. And I love how you articulated that and shared that. Kyle, I could talk to you all day, but I, <laughs> I have to get back to mom life and, and right. life here, but um, we will have to do another episode, but um, I just, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all that. Before I let you go, would you maybe just kind of give us a, a quick overview for moms and parents, especially listening of just a few things that they can do to help better, you know, I want to say better, but be more present and, you know, just be more aware uh, to parenting and kind of going back to what you were saying with stop parenting. There's just a few things we can take away from this episode. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll give everybody assignment. First assignment is to clear, get really clear about what you as a parent want to experience in your parenting. And then a commitment and some ideas about how to experience that. So, you know, like with my son is just being connected with him was more important than anything else to me. And, and so I was willing to defer how he turned out as an adult to having a great time with him and enjoying him and appreciating him and seeing his gift capacities and, and doing fun things together rather than putting all this attention on how he turned out in the future. And I know this sounds crazy because we're all supposed to turn out perfect children, but I just, you know, if for me, if we just stayed in connection and love and presence and had a lot of fun together, I figured his life would turn out fine. And that, you know, I would enjoy it more. So what do you want to experience with your children? And how do you modify the behaviors, activities, you know, how you spend time with them, how you live your life so that you can have more of that. So that you can ex have the experience in parenting that you'd want rather than how it's going to turn out in the end. Love that. I think that's such a great message and, and so beautifully said. Thank you, Kyle, so much for being here. Can you tell us where you can we can find you and follow you? And again, tell us where to get your books and the name of them. So I inquirymethod.com is my is my website. And there's videos, courses. There's probably five or six hundred blogs I've written that are just free for the taking. Uh, the, you can join a membership calls, you know, first call, you know, you're welcome just to come and join and cancel, but love to have more people on the membership calls and just experience that. So there's a ton of resources there. Uh, Life at Altitude and Stop Parenting are available on Amazon. There should be an e-reader book hopefully coming out soon and an audio book uh, for Life at Altitude coming, coming out soon. So, you know, all those, all those things are available out there. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to... <clears throat> continue our own coaching and everything that we're doing as well and definitely have to have you back here um, on the show until next time guys cheers bye thanks for listening to everything with ali levine if you loved this episode please leave a review screenshot this episode tell a friend tag us on social media subscribe tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted empowered and inspired 